0: This episode of Okie Podcast is brought to you by Southwest Trading Company. If you've not been to Southwest Trading Company, please go do that right now we or after this podcast. But the location for Southwest Trading Company is 1306 East 11th Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Southwest Trading Company has so many items from so many different artists like jewelry, art, blankets, cedar boxes, clothing, collectibles, you name it, they got it. So why not shop at Southwest Trading Company? Go like the Facebook page, follow the Facebook page. To keep up with all new events coming at the store and items. And once again, that location is 1306 East 11th Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Go check them out and let them know Russ from Okie Podcast sent you. Hello everybody, welcome back to Oki Podcast. On this episode, I have director, writer, producer, owner of Safe House Films, Kaya Kawika Harris.
1: Hello, thank you for having me. Been <laughs> trying to get you on for a minute. Hey. Right. We've been talking about this for yeah, a little while
0: now. Yeah. Years.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm I'm glad to be here now. So
0: I know, yeah. It's been in the making, and but I f- I'm glad we got to finally meet in person at your um your premiere of Out of Exile. Yeah, which, which I thought was an amazing movie. I really dug it. I really liked the whole. It kind of gave me the vibes of like, is it Sicario? Sicario, however you say that movie.
1: If you get Sicario vibes, man, I hit a home run then.
0: Yeah, that's that's a vibe I was getting, and I. I love that one. I love the second one, but just movies like that, man. Like I really love to watch them and like, just the mystery of like what, what's going to happen and everything that goes along with those types of movies. But man, that was a really cool premiere. You know, I'm glad circle cinema shout out to them. Shout out to Chuck uh, for having that there, man. I thought that was an amazing turnout and it was awesome to see Just homegrown people have their own premieres there at that theater. And so, um, but yeah, dude, what did you think about that premiere? Like, what were your thoughts about it? And you had one like the next week or the next day, right? Yeah, I had, uh,
1: see Friday, I think Friday, January 20th was the opening day that it released theatrically and on VOD uh, per Saban and uh, Paramount Pictures. And so Friday we were at Circle Cinema in Tulsa. I mean it was a packed house, right? It was like shoulder to shoulder. Um, And then the next day, Saturday, was at the Harkins downtown Oklahoma City. Uh, Of course, um, yeah. And so I mean we had those two screens. It was just a busy weekend. A lot of people showed up. It was it was good to you know talk to the community, hear what they were thinking about the movie, uh, first reactions and whatnot. It was good to have Danny Boy and uh, Jake the Snake um come out to the screenings and stuff. And so that was that was a lot of fun. Uh there, there's a lot of people there I haven't seen in a long time. Uh even a couple of friends from high school that I graduated with over 20 years ago came. And um and so it was it was just, you know, it's a lot of fun to do that. I think that's what I do it for. You know, it's just get everybody together and talk about movies, you know.
0: Of course, man. Man, I I was like uh I knew I, I remember seeing like Jake the Snake was in a and I was like so surprised when he showed up to Circle Cinema. Cause I remember watching him when I was a kid. Uh well, I watched wrestling a lot. And but by that time he was already kind of coming to the end of his um time of being a wrestler. But you know, I still knew who he was and I still know what he did. And and I mean, like I remember I was kind of like afraid to ask him, like talk to him. But I remember Will was like, Man, just go talk to him, he's really cool. Like <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I don't know, cause I don't know. It was just like the way I watched, like growing up and everything. But he was—he was was so cool. He was like hella cool, and he was meeting everybody. So I thought that was really dope. And Danny Boy too. That was cool. And then Adam and everybody else, man. That was in the film, dude. Like everybody did a really good job, you know, acting wise. And the production was really great. And it was awesome, dude. I wish I could have gone to the Oklahoma City one too, but couldn't make it out. And yeah, that's right. That was like the premiere, like cause it did come out on VOD on that Friday, and that Friday night was like that theater premiere. So that was that was so cool to see. That was amazing to like just go walk go watch it like the day it came out everywhere. I thought that was really cool.
1: Yeah. It was, I mean, we I went a little everywhere with it. um I mean it went to Houston, it went to New York, California you know, theatrically, and uh even to Springfield. Missouri. i went up there and it was playing at the alamo draft house and so i went there and, and introduced it too and so that was a lot of fun just it's 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 what i make movies for i guess you know just to share with people and talk about it um yeah it's, it's a lot of fun man
0: now you said like you had some people from high school so like were you always like into like movies and stuff and like making films or like did you ever do that in high school too <clears throat> I
1: didn't make films in high school just because there, w- there weren't film programs where I'm from. I, I graduated from a, a town called Spyro in Oklahoma. It's probably like an hour and a half southeast of Tulsa. Um, there, I mean, there was like drama programs and stuff like that, but it wasn't like sort or like big school plays. I don't remember any stuff like that. Uh, I never knew anybody in the industry. However, I was a huge film buff. And so I had friends that would call me film buff or movie buff. And during the summers we'd work together and like we'd either be cutting rocks with a wet saw or we were cutting wood or we were fishing or whatever we were doing in the summertimes and winter. And my friends would, you know, pass the time that always they I remember them they'd be like, uh, hey Kyle, name, you know, name 20 movies with Robert Duvall. And then I would just, you know, we'd just nail them, you know, who could who could finish it faster, or who could go longer. Um, you know, those games like seven, what was it seven degrees of separation Kevin Bacon or something like that? Or
0: mm-hmm.
1: um uh, so I mean, we were always just playing games like that. And I, and I felt like I always knew the answers just cause I, I just watched movies all the time. And it wasn't like I, I had an obsession with movies, uh, or I had, you know, I just, it wasn't that I had to just watch movies all the time. You know, I wasn't one of those kids. Like, but it, I felt like I understood movies. Like I understood stories. And uh, it came from my, my grandpa who, who raised me for a little bit, uh, he was a. Uh, after he retired from teaching and stuff, he got into like a. He got into history and stuff like that. He worked uh, for a while at um, Judge Parker's Court in Fort Smith, Arkansas. I don't know if you've ever heard of that place. It's sort of where True Grit movie is sort of built around. And um, oh, okay. Anyways, okay. he was a big historian about like Fort Smith and sort of uh, Oklahoma before it became a state and in territory and stuff like that. All the outlaws and marshals and. Everything like that, he was really influenced, you know, a lot by that. And so, I was he'd always tell me stories, or um, I would tag along with him on his little talks. And uh, of course, when you're a kid, you're bored by that, you know, but looking back, uh, as an adult, it's some of the best times of my life, you know. And uh, and then he had these, they we lived on a farm, it was a 300 acre farm, and uh, he was my stepfather's father, and uh. So they had a lot of cattle and horses, and were always out there working and just uh, always working. And one of the ways you kind of got out of work was um, if you were reading. And he had this huge library of books, just you know, floor to ceiling, this this huge room full of books. And if you'd get a book and you'd start reading it, and you were able to talk about the story and stuff with your grandpa, you know, you would be like, "Oh, well, you know, Kyle's busy right now. He can. We'll, we'll get him here in a little bit to do this outside work," you know. And so. I guess maybe it was just sort of uh, all those things combined, you know, kind of came together and just love of movies, stories, reading, people telling stories, music. My family's a bunch of musicians. And so just, I guess all that stuff, just sort of the creativity, it's all kind of came together.
0: Hearing like your stories, like from people back home and everything. And man, like there's sometimes where I wish I could remember a lot of those stories I was told growing up, because like you said, like, you know as a kid you don't really you don't really think a lot about like how much like how precious those are like how precious like those things that they're telling you you know whether it be like cultural or like just things about them when they were growing up or like just like yeah. some hidden gems and those stories and everything and you don't really like for me as a kid I didn't really understand like like why are they telling me this Like I don't know like what they're talking about you know but you know had I like Probably been a little more mindful about you know a lot of stuff because i find myself now like man i wish i could have you know or i wish i could have paid attention more i would have listened more i would have um yeah. you know i got i would have got to actually like bring those stories into like the inventory of my mind and then like i can recite them you know at least a little bit better than what i can remember and so but i go through that man but i mean It's tough though, man. It's tough because like, you always, you always think about, I always think about stuff like that, but you know, like I was just a kid and you know, you always, you're always learning, you're always growing. And it's always like, dang, man. Like even when like our language too, I know, like I work with our language program and we don't have any fluent speakers. And our last one died, I think in the nineties. And so like, me and my friends, you know, we all went to high school together and, um, they, they were invested in like cultural and studies and stuff like that too. But they went, they ended up going to college and being linguistics majors and getting their PhDs and everything and their masters. And, and so I remember we talk about this man and like, we're older now and it's like, man, you know, they talk about that too. like, had we known, you know, they were like, Fluent speakers, man. At least we could have probably done something to where we could you know, like have that information because now it's gone, you know. And that brings me yep. back to like the stories in general. Like your family's like, you know, so a lot of people that told me those stories are gone. They're here. They're not here anymore, you know. And it's like, and it's always like, you know, that's the one thing is like if you're hearing stories from somebody, like an elder or somebody, or just somebody older than you and they're just telling you stuff, man, just, just, try to write it down or something remember it because like you said man those are those are precious stories
1: yeah what tribe are you
0: with I'm a Pawnee no. Pawnee tribe and I'm also Oto but I don't really know too much about my Oto tribe but um never I you know I grew up as like not really getting into like language and all the stuff like I was I felt like I was supposed to already know you know, but like I didn't really see a point to it, I guess, and I didn't really understand it and how to I guess get into it and I was too afraid to like ask people like what anything meant because it always felt like maybe they thought, well, this guy's like you know he's he's supposed to be this tribe, but he don't even know, you know, and I didn't know and that that was always afraid. I was that's why I was afraid to ask anybody anything, but now, you know, I find myself trying to read a lot of books, uh. And I'm I'm invested with our language program, and you know I'm trying to learn these things, you know, so I can incorporate it into things I do, and just like it, it's nice, man. It's it's powerful to know that stuff, have that you know knowledge. I'm still learning, still learning. Oh yeah, and then I was going to ask you too. Uh, so with those stories too, that was how old were you when you were started kind of noticing like that? What you told me?
1: Ah, uh, I mean, I was probably ten. I think 93 mm-hmm. is I started to think about stories and I was sort of connecting with books and reading, um, yeah, probably about 10. Um, just, I think it was just reading and movies that uh, my parents allowed me to, my parents had gotten divorced. And so that's where I, I kind of moved around a lot. And, uh, you know, you go stay with mom on weekends or you'd live with mom or you go stay with dad for a weekend and you go stay with your grandparents for a weekend. And so it was it was just a lot of uh, uh, what do you do when you go over, you know, sometimes there's like a lull like during the daytime. So we would always go rent movies, the VH, like the gas station, we used to have VHS, you know, back, back then. And, and, and uh, just rent movies. And I remember as soon as I'd wake up in the morning, it's just, I, before anybody else is up, I would just get up and I'd put on a movie and I'd sit there and watch it. You know, and I, and I would usually pick movies that, you know, I wasn't picking, I mean, I watched Batman but I wasn't picking Batman, if that makes sense. I remember I watched this movie called A Perfect World with Kevin Costner and Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood directed it. It came out in 93, and I remember reading that on VHS. That was one of the first movies where I noticed the story to it. And, um, and of course, there's several others like Badlands, Terrence Malick's Badlands, Martin Sheen, Cool Hand Luke. Uh, But there's just several types of movies. Uh, that I've watched, and for whatever reason, they just, I connected with them, and, and then in addition to reading, like, all the Franklin W. Dixon Hardy Boy books as a kid, um, I would say I probably read three quarters of the, the more Westerns, um, just, I mean, that was just how I was as a kid, I was, I was a kid that was always ordering on the scholastic stuff, you know, that came around your classroom, and they'd have books in there, you could order it and stuff, so is I guess about ten years old. Yeah. When it's really started to take hold.
0: Yeah. I understand that too. My parents went through a divorce. So like I my grandma and my dad, I mean, my dad would take me to movies all the time and but yeah. I don't know, it was just like an escape for me. But for I mean, like, did you notice like like the things you were reading and watching? Like did you kind of start I guess like in your mind maybe creating stories of your own? Or was that later on? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: for sure. I I always felt like when I'd come out of a movie theater that the movie, it's or even even if I just watched on VHS, um, um, no matter what, I felt like I was in on some secret, um, like it spoke directly to me. And so, when the movie's off, the credits didn't just roll and I just went outside and kicked a ball around, you know, I, I it would linger in me like the themes it was like what it was trying to say for whatever reason, it just, I, I understood it. And, um, I guess it was just an, you know, combination of other things that were happening too, that I was unsure of that was happening in my life, you know, emotionally and stuff like that. Um, with parents divorce and stuff like that. I mean, it wasn't like, it was a bad thing, you know, uh, it wasn't a bad divorce or anything like that. But like when you're a kid, I feel, I feel like it puts a lot of questions in you. Um, and you're forced to sort of mature emotionally at a younger age. Um, and so I just try to make sense of things I'd watched and read. And, and I, every time I'd finish something, I just felt like it'd speak to me somehow. And so I started to develop sort of this sense about it uh, or an instinct about it. Or I was drawn to certain stories and certain characters. And uh,
0: How did you like start transitioning into like a filmmaker? Did you go to college and or did you just kind of learn everything on your own? Like how did everything like start? How did you start? I guess.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, outside of just watching a million movies or watching them a million times over and over again, even at college, man, after I graduated high school, I went to a two year college and, and majored in allied health. The entire time at my dorm, I had a movie playing. I got always have a VHS VHS tape, always playing. So if it would be terminator two, or it'd be, you know, it'd be something, you know, playing, uh, Um, but then after that, I went to the Navy and, uh, and when I was in the Navy, you know, I was going to go in the military to do, uh, special forces training because I knew this guy at this gym that I was working out at that he was a, he's a recruiter, a Navy recruiter, and he used to be a Navy SEAL. And so I started working out with this guy every day for about six months. I'd lost a lot of weight and was swimming and running and, and, uh, so I went to take the test. To, to go to the military and I, I took the is that called an ASVAB. And for whatever reason, I didn't study for it, but I, I, I didn't pass the mechanical portion of the ASVAB. It was a little too low. And I guess it has to be a certain percentage when you're going to be like a Navy SEAL program. And so I didn't get that that on my uh, my uh, paperwork. And I remember my recruiter was saying to me, Oh, don't worry about it when you get to boot camp. Just tell me you want to go into the SEAL program. They'll get you fixed up. That was all bullshit. <laughs> you know, when you get to boot camp, they don't care. They're like, "This is what your paperwork says. Shut your mouth. Get in line." You know. And so um, that really, you know, bothered me a lot. I felt like, okay, here's four years of my life just kind of wasted now, and because I, I wanted to go in for something specific. And so I didn't feel like my time in the military I was used r- the right way. However, I did go on a lot of like. Uh, seven month, you know, trips to the Pacific and stuff like that. And get to see Hong Kong and Singapore, get to see the world. And every time I'd be standing a watch, I'd be, I had this little book and I started writing down characters and stuff like that. Uh, I'd I'd watch a movie. And then I would be like, I started thinking while I was on a five hour watch and I'd be like, this is how I would have done differently. Or this is how the sequel would go. And I, I remember I just had like these, this, tons of these little notepads just full of ideas and stuff and uh so that was the beginning but I still wasn't sure of what was going on but after the military came back home for a couple years tried to play in some rock bands again um went out to Vegas and played but then nothing was sticking and when I ended up in uh Phoenix Arizona I was sort of outside my comfort zone didn't really know anybody outside of my daughter and uh and then I just enrolled in a two-year cinematography school. And while I was doing that, um, I could just sort of embrace the inner weirdo, <laughs> if you if you want to call it that. Um, I remember being in the cinematography class, and I was probably 30 years old at this time. So I started a little later than every, You know, everybody else in my class was like 18. But I remember there was an assignment that the teacher gave. It was like a photography class. And we all got cameras as part of like the, you know, joining the school and stuff like that. And I remember it was like a Friday and he's like, okay, you know, take the weekend, come back on Monday. We're going to review some your pictures. But he's like, I want you to get like a vanishing point, a macro, a landscape shot. and something interesting, you know, some, just like four pictures and we'll look at them and talk about them on Monday. And, and on Monday, I, that weekend I went out and I went to this ghost town like an hour and a half away. And I went out there by myself and just started taking these pictures and I would, travel all over the Southwest by myself and, and I would just listen to classical music in my headphones and I'd just take pictures and uh and anyways I came back I remember I was in class and he was just kind of going through this slides of all these pictures and, and you, you could tell that people just didn't care they were just taking pictures of the parking lot you know like where they parked their cars with the yellow lines and, and they took a picture of like the flower in the parking lot next to the door you know it was just but then he got to mine, and, and mine were just weird. And I had these old typewriters and, you know, the mountains in the middle of nowhere and old graves that I'd find in the, in the mountains. And and, uh, and I would just frame them in a way that was sort of interesting. And I remember after the class that day, he came up to me. He's like, hey, man, he's like, of all the ones, he's like, I really appreciate you going above and beyond for this. He's like, uh, I can always tell who, who are going to make it. He's like, it's the people who push beyond. You know, the ones that take the extra, go the extra mile for their, their craft or what they love. He's like, so I really appreciate you doing that. And I, was, I remember thinking like, oh, man, I, finally, somebody's, somebody's getting it. You know, somebody can see that there's a passion for it. But um, after that program ended, I came back to Oklahoma. I lived in Anadarko and um, I worked for the Delaware Nation. I, I worked there for about seven years. And uh, as a public relations director and a casino manager and, um, and during that time, I was making pretty good money, you know, uh, enough to like finance my short films. And while I was working with the tribe, uh, I would just go out and do all these documentaries, you know, um, I spent a lot of time up in the Northeast, you know, I made a, the Water Gap, Return to the Homeland feature documentary. And then I went to Standing Rock and did a documentary up there called Guardians of the Water and just they kind of got, the tribe got behind sort of my vision for filmmaking and uh, and I just sort of wouldn't bid things, you know. I didn't wait on people to tell me it was okay. Uh, there was a lot of times where a lot of film projects would have just died on the vine. And you got maybe 24 to 48 hours to make a decision. And, you know, if I, sometimes you, comfort can be your enemy in filmmaking. You know what I mean? you You kind of have to be, Always out there on that edge, sort of with that healthy obsession for it. And if you see an opportunity, and you have to be able to to know to decipher if that is an opportunity or not. And when I when I get when I was in front or confronted with an opportunity, I remember I would just act and I'd figure it out. And if I've had any success, um, if you call it that, it's because just the intuition and the instinct for it. I just I don't wait on other people. To tell me it's okay, you know. Someone says you need to think about this for a while. And it's like when they tell me to think about it, I've already been thinking about it for about three months. You know, what I mean, uh, if, some, if I say I'm gonna write a script, you know, then I'm two weeks, three weeks later, I'm done with the draft. Um, so it's we're already, um, we're about to finish our second script this year, already writing it. So it's like just I'm always kind of working. I, I'm 40 now and I feel like time's not in my corner. Yeah, I mean, I just, uh, i don't know man i just i just love what i do just it's in my bones it's in my dna and it's what i have to do there's you know i I find myself saying this a lot lately because i've been doing it now for almost 10 years and and i've I've seen a lot of people come and go and i feel like the industry if you don't love it and you're not willing to work harder you know the industry will find a way to weed you out in a way you know kind of have to have this uh this this the this healthy obsession for it and just the inability to not be turned away from it. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've been told no, like either by financiers or in Hollywood with like different screenplays. You know, um, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. And so to the point where like a, a no doesn't even mean doesn't doesn't ha- doesn't resonate within me. It doesn't hurt my feelings. It just means I have to figure out a new way to get this done. Um, so I guess that's, <laughs> if, you know, being able to get out of exile made for the, for the budget that we were making, it, made it with the stars we had, you know, it's just, uh, just ability to push through it all and figure it out, you know, because that was right when the COVID hit and Hollywood shut down and uh, no way was going to help us. And so but I remember thinking to myself, like, I, I don't want to sit here and not do anything. And so I just kept pushing, kept pushing we got it made at the end of 2020. Beautiful. Sorry, that was, that was, that was really long.
0: No, that's beautiful. Like, uh, cause that's true, man. Like, I mean, you, you did something and which was a sim- cinematography class, as you said. Yeah. And that was, what'd you say? A two month class? It was a two year. Uh, it was a two year class. Okay. And I mean, did and you've never worked with like a camera or anything before that. You just, you just got into it and did that class. Yeah, just did. And you just kind of, and yeah, I mean, you put your heart into it too, you know, and you would, you know, the short, the short story you told me was, I could tell like you put a lot of effort into what you did. And I mean, you put a lot of thought into it and the instructor appreciated what you did because I mean, yeah, you know, like sometimes when you're instructing like a class or something and people are just like, ah, oh, whatever, here's the picture of this. And then it's like, and then you have to like break it down. That picture and like oh we could have done this and then like you bring yours and it's like all these interesting types of like pictures yeah. that you were talking about you know and and you traveled and you know you put your headphones in and you got lost in the moment and you just started doing these things and just like you know just like having fun I'm assuming right it was fun to take those pictures and everything
1: yeah it was but man like I would literally go to ghost towns and mm-hmm. like we're just people just got up and abandoned their homes and people would own the land or whatever and there'd be these like an old, old man or an old woman owned the land. And I'd go there and I'd pay them like 10, 20 bucks. And they'd be like, yeah, it's just a quarter mile walk over the hill. I'd walk out there by myself and all of a sudden there's just like 10 or 12 houses and old buildings from like a hundred years ago. And I'm not like a, like a spooky type ghosty person. You know, I think, I feel like if you just don't invite it in, it won't bother you. But there were a couple of times even out there, like there was a couple of times where I got freaked out (laughs) And like one time I almost passed out. Like I got so sick and like just, it just came over me and I just started getting dizzy. and I was like, Oh man, I'm going to pass out out here. And then I just kept walking and kept going. And, and finally it, I, I came out of it, but it was, it was this really spooky moment, like time out there. And it was in this uh, town called Goldfield and uh, yeah, I went down this mine shaft and it was like a, there's stairs and the guy was like yeah you can go down there it's clear you know we've, they fix it all up and stuff there's lights and you, you can walk right through it. it's like half mile long and it comes out the other side i went down there by myself and and uh um, man there's something there's some weird energy down there You just got i don't know you know mess with me
0: anyways yeah <laughs> i was gonna ask like because I remember you said you went to some abandoned towns and i was gonna ask if like anything crazy happened or like if you remember anything like that happening and. Because, like, abandoned towns, man, they look, I mean, I watch stuff on YouTube sometimes, and these guys go exploring those, and I mean, they do it at night, though, and it's like, it looks terrifying, they're just at night, and nobody's around, nothing's anywhere, and it's really quiet, and I've seen some videos where, like, there's been, like, they've been followed, like, there's one dude who does it by himself at night, and he was just going around these houses, and, like, he turned to his right and there was a window there and his light caught his head like in the yeah. window. And as soon as like it, it came into full frame, it, like it went away. And he was like, either I'm tripping or that was a ghost or somebody is following me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I had a similar thing where after I took some, a lot of pictures, some places like the doors were locked and you couldn't go inside, so take pictures through the window, but I, when I was editing the pictures, I noticed there was like eyes in the window. Like you could see the God. eyes, like clear day, like came out with the contrast. And, you know, I'd always, I'd always ask permission before I went into the house. I was not going to ask permission to enter and stuff. So a lot of times, you know, when you got your headphones on, you're, you're sort of not attuned to it too much. You're just taking your pictures. You try not to look around the corners. And, but there's a couple of times I went to this old abandoned school and I was in there sort of arranging some stuff. And I, around this old piano and then all of a sudden I got this crazy this like cold feeling it spooked me and uh I remember thinking like I gotta go like I gotta go now you know what I mean and I was and I just literally left like I i just didn't touch anything else I just got up and bounced like it was like time to go and uh but anyways those, those are fun stories too it's uh, uh
0: oh my <laughs> <yeah>. god <laughs> Kyle out here putting his life on the line <laughs>
1: Like telling ghost stories for his class, <laughs> uh, oh man, that's fun stuff, though.
0: Yeah, and man, I, I mean, my, do what now? I
1: would do that by myself, too. And uh, it just is more fun that way.
0: So, it, would you, you spend all the, day there?
1: Yeah, because a lot of times it would take you like you know a couple of hours to drive to some of these places. Uh-huh. Uh huh, you just drive in the middle of nowhere and then you know you go out and spend two or three hours there just taking pictures. And I always had these sort of like these taking pictures through windows, like frame within a frame, you know, door frames and how tree limbs come into the door frame. And So I've, I always just sort of saw things in a cinematic way. And I wanted to be a cinematographer originally. And But then when I got back to Oklahoma, I realized when I started like talking to the filmmakers in the industry, I lived so far away from the city, and a lot of them had already established their teams. And so they weren't really looking for outside people trying to learn. And so I remember thinking to myself, like, I'm not going to wait on these people to give me an opportunity again. So I started, well, if I'm not going to be able to shoot anything. Then I'm going to have to write something for myself to shoot. So I just leaned on those story, the history of story I, I have inside me. And then I thought, well, no one's going to give me the money to produce this. So I might as well just save my money and put it in there. No one's going to direct it. So I might as well direct it. And it, it just became that kind of thing. And um, I built like a very small uh, team around me that were equally as like hungry and talented and, uh, Austin, Cole, Moore, and those guys are just amazing camera guys and sound guys and editors and, and, uh, together, you know, we spent about five or six years together and just making movies. We made like over a dozen movies, short films and, uh, together. And, and just, you learn a lot, you know, uh, I feel like that's how you learn is just get on sets and figure it out. Yeah. You know? And, uh, but that was, that's sort of the way I, you know, came up. But even when I got to Out of Exile, that was the first film set I'd ever been on. It was big, we 40 people, but were behind the camera. You know, I, everything else had been like six people max. You know, you know wow. very wow. small. Uh, but it still operates the same. And I, I, even to this day, you can have 40 or 50 people. I call it the circus. And there's people just going every which row, way before you shoot the scene. But I just try to keep my circle around the camera sort of tight with the with the actors. I just try to keep kind of quiet around that area and just focus on the work, you know, and uh, not get um, distracted by some other thing that's going on over here. or Because there's a lot of gossip and stuff that happens on film sets, and and people you know sit around all day because a lot of time to kill. And uh, just you know, film the film industry's a lot of fun though. I love mm-hmm. that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask. Uh, so after that class and everything, and you moved back here, you said you worked in, was it, would you say public relations for your, for the tribe?
1: Yeah. yeah for Delaware Nation. And in for Delaware, Delaware Nation. I a public relations director for five years. I, okay. And I worked, their casino is literally right next door. And so I, I worked with as a manager on duty for two years and then went over. They actually created the position for me because they knew what I was doing they knew that I was making films and stuff like that. And, and I had, you know, I'd uh, turn in my resume for it and, and they kind of created the position because uh, they were starting to, tr- they wanted to kind of get into that, you know, videography and stuff like that.
0: Okay. I was going to ask that too. Like, cause you said you did that. <clears throat> and then I was wondering like, if you were doing this on the side or if they helped you out, you know, and they, Maybe like possibly created that for you and or to give you the opportunity to make these like short films and then you said the documentary as well. Um Guardians of Water, uh, Water, not Waller, Water.
1: <laughs> yeah, the one that went up to Standing Rock. We went, went to Standing Rock and uh shot a feature film up there. We stayed up there for like nine days. Uh but the other tribe, you know, they they knew that I was doing all these short films. And I do that stuff like on the weekends and stuff, you know. But they knew they they financed and produced two of my feature documentaries and then a lot of the short docs that I, that I had done. Uh, and that was sort of, you know, cultural, uh, tribal related stuff, you know? Um, but yeah. And then, and then once I got reps, I got, I guess I got repped in LA, you know, between, between all my short films and documentaries, I was all, if I'd finished a short film, I'd always immediately be writing a feature film. And so, I'd write like three features a year and and have been doing that for about 10 years now. So I've, I've written about 23 movies. And so in 2018, 2017, my, my stuff started going out in the, into LA. I started feeling, I guess, more um, like there were the stories were more mature on the page. I'd done several drafts. I I'd developed them a lot. And uh, I remember in 2018, early 2018, uh, and this is just the filmmaker. You, you know, you, you're going to look for opportunities. And at like 2 o'clock in the morning, I couldn't sleep, and I happened to get up. And there was a guy posting on Facebook on this film group. They said he was a script consultant, and and he was looking for work. You know, if anybody had any scripts, he would consult on the scripts. you pay him like $400. He'd read it and give you notes and stuff. And uh, he had like a resume of all the work he on the movies he'd, he had done. And um, I just, I, right then and there, I was like, you know, I'm going to do it. 400 bucks. Boom. Sent it. Went back to bed. Two days later, I get a call you know, or or an email. Hey, let's set up a call. I read your script. And I get on a call with this guy. And uh, he's like, hey, man, I'm working on this movie with Ken Nolan called Fox Hunt. And Mel Gibson's attached to it. He's like, I read your script and it's better than the one I'm working on. So he's like, I want to show it to some people. You cool with that? And I was like, yeah. And so I went to this, maybe I went to Ken Nolan and Ken Nolan showed it to his producer. And the producer called me. They said, "Hey, is this produced anywhere? Are you are you repped anywhere?" And I said, "No." He's like, "Well, let me show you to let me introduce you to a couple of people." And then that, through that referral, I had next thing I know, I'm meeting all these different uh, literary managers in LA. And, and in February 2018, I, I got I repped I got repped by Mosaic. And um, and then since then, I'm and now my agents are at A3 Artists. They were at Paradigm before, then Paradigm became A3 artists. But um, yeah, and so like, you know, that's also what I do. So like a year is when I don't have, on the years, like I wasn't getting a movie made, I would be writing a movie that would get, you know, like hired to do like rewrites on stuff. And uh, so in the last year, I got hired to do the Jim Thorpe uh, movie. It was called Bright Path originally. And then now it became a movie just titled Thorpe the next chapter for martin since meyer and acacia and castle rock entertainment so you know it's it's fun to get to write on the big movies and uh because those those are those can open doors for you you know especially like hollywood talent producers and stuff like that so
0: yeah i mean like well i mean it goes to show man like and i always say that too with whatever you do whatever you try to do you try to whatever you want to do, like just do it and continue to do it. Like, don't worry about anything else. Of course, you're going to get told no, you know, or you might reach out to some somebody about, about something and they say no, and you can't get discouraged, man. Like you can't, you can't let that ruin like what you're working for. And I've seen a lot of people like try stuff and they want to, and they want to venture out. And they get told no, and that, it's like it puts a, it puts something on them to where it's like, dang man, I, I guess like that's just gonna be it. You know, I'm always gonna be told no. But I mean, right. people have stories of like, man, I've been told no like this many times, and had I just gave up on those many times, that next time they would have said yes, or somebody would have said yes. And it's always like. You got to gamble on yourself, you know, you have to move, you have to put everything on yourself and that you got to know that, you know, hard work does pay off and it does, you know, and everything that you try and do, like, you just have to keep doing it. And I always like have to, I always like telling people that, man, I always love to tell people like Rome's not built in a day. You know, and nothing's done overnight. You got to build these foundations. You got to build these relationships. You got to create a successful team that's going to be around you and not just a bunch of bunch of yes men. You know, you got to have people that are smarter than you. You got to have people that can make you better than who you were the the day before. I mean, you got to have these people around you to just bring out the best version of yourself. And that's always like a plus. And I mean, you know, just hearing you say all these things, man, like, yeah, you're told no, but you just kept doing it. You just kept doing it on your own. You didn't wait for nobody. You know, you don't need a crutch. It's always you. Even when you were going to these towns, it was you. You didn't have anybody with you. You didn't have to wait on nobody. You just did it. And you, you made these beautiful contacts, you made these beautiful images, you made everything possible through you. And I mean, like that's. That's mainly what it is, man. Like, and it shows, dude, it really does show. And I mean, um, that's, that's, that's always it, man. It's so, it sounds so simple, but it's not. People don't understand or see like the work, the nose, the everything that went wrong, nothing. They don't see any of that. They just see like who you are and like the things you post about. Every
1: day it goes wrong. That's the thing too, that I don't think people understand is that every day it goes wrong.
0: Hmm. yep
1: every day it goes wrong more often than it ever goes right and so when it does go right you know is because even now even to this day we safe house or myself like it's tough man every day you're just constantly pitching and, and sending emails and doing calls and trying to get your next project off the ground and it just um you know it can take a long time it can take years you know and it's just but if you have enough momentum behind you and you've done the work you're like a river right and so anytime there's a rock dropped in your river you're just gonna go around it you know you should keep going you should keep moving forward and it is true like you were saying too it's a it is it's a 10-year overnight success and you've got to put in the time i i I have a lot of people reaching out to me now, like about their screenplays and stuff like, Hey man, will you, you know, look at this screenplay? Would you be interested in producing it? And and, uh, they think, you know, love them to death, you know, and, uh, but they don't at the same time, you know, like if I write a script, I don't just write it from beginning to end and I'm done as I'm writing it. I will literally go back to page one and just every day I'll re edit every day or every day. And when I finish it, I don't just put it up for two or three weeks. I go, back to the beginning and then i say well now i'm going to do another draft and it's only going to be focused on the themes and so what the character says maybe it can i can put the theme in something he says in subtext here and just do a pass that way and then go through every scene how can i elevate this how can i get in how can i get out faster so i do passes like that and i'll do 30 something drafts before i ever send a script out you know and i'll talk to some writers and uh they'll say, yeah, I just finished writing and I want to get some eyes on it, you know, and I think that's, you know, sometimes not the right thing to do. And um, I try to tell them, you know, just keep writing, keep your head down. Don't be in a hurry to like make it. It, It's, you've kind of got to put your work in, you know, you got to pound the ground and get out there and and hear the nose and know how to push through it all. Otherwise, every now and then, there's going to be someone that comes through and hits a home, hits a grand slam home run the first at bat you know, but that's very rare in this industry. You know, you got to do the work, you got to put in the time, and uh, and a lot of times what my my point was to this whole thing was, I remember when I was, you know, four years ago, I remember sending out scripts to producers. Producers wouldn't answer, they'd be like, oh, I'm not, I can't do this, I'm not interested, and now I'm in this position, and I've started to look at it, and scripts come to me, you know, and I have like three or four things I'm trying to get made right now that, have investors or there's a legal paperwork already drawn up or there's talent attachments to these things. And we're trying to shoot on these dates. And so you got three or four movies that are already, it's taken years to get to where they're at right now, to stop what you're doing to look at this new thing. You know, it in a way you can't even legally do that because the, the paperwork that's been drafted the money that's been spent on all this and the investors that's given you money. You, can, you know, if I pump the brakes on this project, now that investor pulls out. You know what I mean? It's like a lot of people don't understand the timing of all of it and how everything has to sort of sync up very, very um, easily, not e- easily, but uh, just sync up in a way that's almost like a, a miracle. <laughs> uh, if, if a movie gets made, I feel like uh, it's because it's, for whatever reason, everything just worked, you know, uh, and um, so I'm, I'm very lucky to have gotten out of the it was not easy. You know, it was a long road.
0: Most definitely, dude. I mean, but I mean, you put in the work and you've done a lot of things before that to get to the point where you're at now. And, you know, you talk about like exactly like put your head down and just work and grind it out and be patient. That's the main thing, man, like is patience is like, I know we want things so bad. We want them so fast. We want everything to happen like just in a snap of a finger. But it's like it does not work like that. Because like, because for me, I was, I always wanted a handout, right? I wanted somebody to give me a job or something in some like form of like the movie industry or like music or whatever, in entertainment industry. I wanted somebody to give me something, but I always tell people like, had I gotten that, had somebody said, here, here's this, you know, do something with it. I would have failed miserably because I would have not known what to do with that. And I would have just. I would have just, I would have fucked it up. I, to be honest, like I would have ran myself out of town and I would never be known again, but you know, to actually like start something, learn what you're doing, create it, push it out and keep doing it. That's more satisfying because you're learning how to do something on your own. Like you already know how to do all this stuff, dude, like writing, producing, directing, uh, uh What is it? What's it called? A uh, scout locations and stuff like that too. Like yeah. I mean,
1: pretty much do it all. You know, uh,
0: even see, like if we
1: hire people to do it. I'm there with them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Every every department, even the editing, even in the score, I'm in every piece of it, all of it. Yep. And so yeah, you gotta you just gotta be yeah. You know.
0: And that's that's why like it's like important to. That's why I, I try to tell my friend my friend he wants to be in like filmmaking and stuff. I'm like he wants a team, but I'm like girl, like just do it on your own for now. Like learn all these things, all these things you need to learn and you can go to YouTube. You can, I'm sure there's yeah. people around your area that can probably, you can reach out to, but learn yeah. all these things and, and know how to do them like 100%. And then like, I guarantee you give it a year or two or three, once you start creating content, and pushing it out. I'm sure people will want to work with you because they're yep. actually seeing the work from you. Like you're actually like, you're actually releasing content to where it looks legit. You know how to do it. You know what you're doing. Like right. that's, And that's, that's the thing about it. That's, that's the beautiful thing about it is like, once you start creating this stuff and you're proving you can do it, then people will like, okay, like this guy's like legit because, you know, he shows up, he knows how to work, he knows what he's doing and it's going to be, it's going to be like, it's not going to be all hectic probably like, cause you won't know what you're doing. And so you've done all this stuff, man. And so you're not lucky, man. You no. just did the work. You did that work and you, you made sure like out of exile was going to happen like yeah. it. And it was meant to happen because you, you put in your time, you said 10 years and I'm assuming over that too.
1: Yeah. 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 You got to start small, finish big. Don't, don't, finish, don't think you're going to start big. You, nope. you got to start small, finish big. And you kind of have to have this ability to have uh, like blinders on when people, when people introduce problems, you know, they come at you with this problem. Like there's a they whisper and plan a seed, there's a problem coming up. It's like,
0: okay, how do I get around it? How do
1: I fix it? You know, um, instead of, um, you know, just always having the the answer, always prepping your project, always sort of trying to outthink and and be a step ahead it's, it's not easy. It's tough. And, you know, if you're not prepared, like you were saying uh, and you've got a movie and you go out to investors and you're looking for a million dollars, investors are going to give you a million dollars. If you're not, if you're not proven, you know, it's like a company, you know, you, you have to become um, you know, John's, you know, whatever the John Johnson, uh, LLC, that's where you have to become. You, you have to become your own business, your own corporation in some ways. And, and and so if people invest in you, you know, you gotta be able to do the work. You gotta be able to be prepared all the time, you know. Uh, basically you're the CEO of your own company. And uh, so if you want to get those things out of the industry, then you have to put in the time and, and the work and work harder than everybody else and have all the answers, not all the answers, but you gotta have at least be on the right path to get get them if someone else can't give them to you um so it's 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 very inter- it's all just sort of interesting man it's just a uh, but um yeah i mean i found my calling and i love it so i'm not going anywhere
0: yeah and you're good at it man you know and you've proven that and i was so happy to see you know your work you know and prior to that man i didn't even know you did like these documentaries and you know are they available on amazon prime or anything no, they're all pretty
1: much on Vimeo. Uh, Vimeo.com. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, my editors, uh, the, the Warren Brothers, Warren Brothers backslash Vimeo.com, uh, Austin and Colton Warren. So we put it up on their page. Everything's on there. Everything. Um, yeah, Out of Exile is just my first feature narrative. So it's um, my first film that's been you know, uh, distributed and on. Bod or being in theaters and stuff like that so um but one of many to come so yeah
0: where did that idea come from for out of exile
1: uh i think it was um i had done a short film called prone to violence in 2019 for a 48-hour film challenge and we shot the the short film and just that would have been in june and then like around august september we were just having dinner with me and the guys that were in the movie and i think one of them mentioned like hey kyle why don't you just write this into a feature it was a really cool short and and i didn't want to take away from what the short was the characters that were in the short film i didn't want to be prone to violence short prone to violence the feature with the same character names and then discredit what the other actress had done those characters so I, i rewrote it and called it out of exile and changed the character names and and uh and it was my reps got it and it went to Paramount Pictures and Paramount met with me and they liked it. And then, but they 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 ended up passing on it and they went to this producer in Georgia who liked it and they wanted it. And they were going to pay me 50 grand for it, but they didn't want me to direct it. And and I remember really sort of contemplating that. And but I wanted to direct. And in um, the last minute, I, I passed on it. And then that's when COVID hit and everything shut down. And, and I was developing a TV series at that time with Michael Chavez and, and uh, some producers. The, uh, uh, Michael Chavez had just walked off The Conjuring 3. He just came off. He was the director of The Conjuring 3 and The Curse of La Verona. And so I was introduced to him in LA. And, and so he he liked this thing I wrote called Southern Cunning. And we were developing it. And when COVID hit, everything shut down. Hollywood and everything. So I remember that's, where, that's when I really took charge with out of exile like okay i'm just gonna go do it myself and just raise the money just knocking on doors and uh raise the money so that's but that's how it all came about it was a short film in 2019
0: that's awesome yeah i was gonna ask too if like the same actors from the this movie were in that one but you said you you rewrote it and you uh recreated the characters and you just made out out of exile of its well i guess like the idea is still the same i guess
1: yeah. I mean, Adam and Kyle Henry were still the brothers. Mm-hmm. They're just different names. Um, and of course, Wilson Navis was in it. A lot of, the, a lot of people were, that were in the feature were in the short, uh, but some of them okay. just played different roles. Mm-hmm. The only people that played the same role was Adam and, and Kyle Henry who played brothers in the feature. And, um, but yeah, and then I, I've done that a lot, you know, I'll do a short film and then I'll write the feature version of that. And um, Yeah. I'm actually about to short a, shoot a short film here in a couple of months. It's pretty big, but it, it's used as sort of as a proof of concept for a feature. And, um, you know, I can go and try to make it for five or six million dollars later on or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a lot of money to make these movies. and You, you don't ever want to take a step back, you know. Uh, so whatever you, you do, people seen it, have seen Out of Exile now, I don't want to take a step back from that. I want to keep moving forward with the craft and getting better. And, and I like the obstacles and I like the challenges of overcoming things. And so, you know, and out of exile, for instance, you know, we had to rob armored cars and rob banks and stuff like that. And and on a short film or on a feature film like this, you only have like 20 days. And so when you show up to shoot a scene, like an armored car heist, like you see in the beginning of the film, you only have four hours to shoot that. And you got all these angles and all this stuff happening. So we had me and the three guys, Adam Hampson, Kyle Henry, Wilson Navis, we had to get together and train for about two months before we ever showed up on the set. Every Thursday for about two or three hours, we would meet up and just run it. And they, they had to learn how to use guns and change magazines and move like a special forces team. And then they had to get to the point where they could communicate without seeing each other. And then, um, and then we would just put up cones around like a SUV and then walk through step-by-step step how I was going to be robbed. And then once they got really fast with it and fluid, that's when you let them go and you say action. And they, they all know every little beat and they know how to communicate without seeing each other and without bumping into each other or running into something, you know what I mean? It, so when people see that on the movie, they think, Oh, I, I don't even know what they think, but that took months to you know prep that, you know? And um, so you know that's that's sort of what I like to, to do. And so like on our next thing, we're, we're it's like a special forces team getting in a Blackhawk helicopter insertion at night, and like we're doing it with like, night vision goggles. And it's this is fun, man. You know, um, so yeah, that's what we've been doing now. Just trying to figure out how we can do it with a Blackhawk, and we've got one in Tulsa, and and uh, just you know we're going zero dark thirty. Catherine Bigelow this night stalker short film it's gonna be a lot it's gonna be a lot of fun
0: wow that sounds yeah that sounds a of fun I, I remember hearing in the q a after out of exile you guys were on like a short time frame
1: yeah so like uh, ben Affleck made the town and
0: uh, uh-huh.
1: same script link uh maybe maybe another action scene but they had 60 days to shoot that movie mm-hmm. 40 million dollars in 60 days and i had 200 grand in 20 days. And Damn. So you get out there and you just rough it, you know, a lot of times and, and, and we get to the set and there's a lot of locations, there's more locations on out of exile than we're shooting days. And so what happens when we were always sort of moving to a new location or a new room or something, you're always moving, moving, moving. And so what, what happens is when you're doing that, you don't get by the time. You actually get to the spot where you can actually push the little red button and record you know you only get two maybe three takes max you get two takes and then you give an artist take and then you're out the door you know i mean so three takes max and um and so you have to like kind of get in there you have to block for the camera where everybody's moving and what they're going to do you know in, in the scene and it's just yeah everybody was just everybody came through it was i'm very proud of the film and i feel like it's for the budget and the time and the circumstances and the restrictions that were all around us, I'm very proud of it. Um, And I hope, I hope it has a long shelf life. Hope people find it and like it.
0: I'm sure they will, man. It's a great movie. It was a huge turnout for that. Like you were, like you were, like we were saying earlier, man. Shoulder to shoulder at Circle Cinema, and I mean, but that's incredible to hear. You shot that in 20 days, and that just shows too, man. Like you've prepared yourself enough in before that happened to in order to, to to do that task to do that feat man like and it showed man like you were able to shoot that film in 20 days and it was it was great man it turned out great it turned out amazing and um i was gonna ask you, is it um on dvd or anything like physical copies not not yet
1: um right now it's uh it was just a domestic MG. So now they're selling foreign territories. I think they'll probably do that through the summer, but I, I'm sure that there will be a DVD hard copy. Eventually. I just don't know when, but I, I mean, I want one, obviously, you know, a lot of people I know want one. Um, so yeah, as soon as I know, I'll be sure to let people know.
0: I'm have but, to give uh, me one. I'm
1: curious. I'm curious. What, what was your favorite scene in it? In Out of Exile.
0: So I liked, uh, what was that one guy? I I really liked. Uh, is it Kyle Henry?
1: Yeah, Kyle. Yeah, I, I really
0: wish. liked his acting, and and then because I got to meet him after the film, yeah. And I mean, like just like the amount of, or just like the, I what do you call that? The um, the depth, you know, like. Yeah. Like how he got in that, that was a, cause he was a crazy character. And I enjoyed his scenes when he was just like, cause you didn't know what he was gonna do. And I was like, oh, he's gonna, he's gonna turn on him or he's gonna do something crazy. And then it would just like, it would kind of balance itself out in the film because like his brother would calm him down and, and they were brothers, you know, they had that love. And I understand that too, because I, that's me and my brother too. Like, I don't dare disrupt my brother, but it's like, <laughs> but I mean like I enjoyed like his scenes like because I was just kind of like I didn't know what his next move was going to be you know like I know what they did and I don't want to spoil it for a lot of people that haven't seen it yet but I know what they did and I know things like in movies like that it does happen things happen like that like where you don't know what's going to happen but to have this type of character in that movie it was just like I was one I was always wondering what his next move was and then we figured out like what happened at the uh was it the bar because he i know he went to a strip club too but at the bar with um what's his name I forgot his name but and yeah he he ends up you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna ruin it but i was kind of sad when he uh when that happened but i was like oh dang
1: <laughs> yeah i feel like i am there's like a despair or something in all the movies i do there's like a Um not depressing and i don't think that but it's like i like the grounded real stories like you were saying sicario those are my favorite movies so if it couldn't happen in real life then i probably won't be making that movie uh i just i like movies that are just sort of grounded and uh but are are elevated with these like moments of violence that sort of happen really fast you know um you'll never probably find me ever do a movie where a guy's tied to a chair and the guy's got a gun. And he's like talking to him for 10 minutes. You know, I, I just, I can't get behind that. I'll, I don't want the guy to pull the gun until he's going to pull the trigger kind of thing or something, you know? And so a sure. lot of times, a lot of times it's like, you don't see the, the gun going to get pulled. And when it does, boom, it's just it's like quick and fast, you know?
0: And I, it was, it was quick and fast. <laughs> <It
1: is. laughs> and all, and a lot of like the different scenes, like if you think back on all the scenes that, um that violence happens a lot of times the gun is never in play until the last second and it's Mm -hmm. like when it comes out when it comes out people go down you know i think i'm more interested in in that but also like an implied violence where it's not i'm not a big tarantino where it's like the the bullet hits the head spray you know i don't i'm not really into that i'm not into like the uh, gratuitous sort of violence just sort of natural uh, stuff like that but um yeah, man, what, uh, Kyle Henry did a really good job as Wes, and uh, Adam Hanson did a great job as sort of the stoic and contemplative uh, Gabriel Russell and Peter Green did awesome as, you know, Whitman Raider, and it was fun to work with all those guys and uh, love to work with them again. As a matter of fact, I'm going to. I've got a I've got a couple of things coming up with all these guys again. So, yeah, lots of stuff, lots of projects.
0: I like the Adam's because – you know, I I had him on it. He's a big dude. You know, he's like he's a big. He was like a big, strong dude, and he has a beard. And when we're watching the movie, he's just very soft spoken. He's very calm, and he's uh, he's like a total opposite of like I thought he was going to be West, like the character. <laughs> like I thought that would be him, but he was very like calm, and he kind of strategically like thought about his every move and everything. So, you know, and. And it was very, it was, that was the first movie I ever seen him in, Adam, all these guys, you know, like i that's the first movie i ever seen them all in, and uh, yeah. it was, it was awesome, dude, it was great, and like you said about the gun, come to think about it, that's what happened in the first, uh, during the robbery too, when yeah. Wes did his thing, and it was just right away, quick, it was just quick and done, and they just had to get out of there.
1: Right, yeah, a lot of my movies, you'll see that, um, and then like recurring themes, I, I usually try to write around the same authentic themes, failed parenthood, stuff like that. Uh, again, I hope that people don't think it's depressing. It's just, you write about the things that you know about, you live live through, you know how to talk about it. You know how to infuse emotion into those types of you know stories. So it could be whether it's bank heist film or an alien invasion, no matter what, at the core of the story, it's going to be something that's authentically, um, of the writer you know and so in this case it's like estrangement being like a parent and a child or failed parenthood or fathers and sons type themes Um, so that's sort of stuff I like to explore in all the movies I do Uh, so yeah Yeah.
0: (laughs) it was a great movie bro like I loved it and once it comes out on DVD I'm gonna look for it I'm gonna buy it I'd love to have a copy of it. But um before we cut it, uh, is there any like projects like you can announce that's maybe coming out this year or maybe you can tell anybody about that's in the future or anything?
1: Yeah, I mean, as far as things coming out, I mean, since Out of Exile just came out in January, I don't really have anything else as far as like feature films coming out. Um, the movie I wrote, you know, Wind River 2 is filming right now in Calgary. Uh, then Thorpe is supposed to be filming in Oklahoma and Sweden this year. Then I'm doing a short film proof of concept this summer. And then I've got a movie called blood roots with Martin since And uh, we're hoping to shoot that in maybe November and it's going to have a stacked ensemble cast, you know, people that you recognize Hollywood people. And then if all goes accordingly, then probably in January or February, I have another film that's sort of like on an out of exile budget with more of the cast that I worked with on that smaller budget, you know, Adam and Kyle Henry's and, and, um, and a lot more other people locally. And it's called reverence and it's sort of like a missing persons thriller. And so just, just constantly just doing, you know, you got something small and then you get something big. And then while that's in post-production, you do something semi-small, but you're semi-big. So it's just always keeping the momentum up and, uh, or, or writing new projects in between or developing the next thing. So it's, always always got to put on the put on the gas pedal man it's a a lot of things coming man a lot of things i've got enough i got enough projects right now the last 20 years probably
0: wow that's important man keep your gas on that pedal and just keep keep it moving man you know kyle kyle's always on the move man (laughs) it's you know yeah. yeah but it is powerful to see man it's powerful to hear you You know, speak about what you've done and you've been through and to get to this point, man, you know, I enjoyed listening to it and just having a talk with you, man, you know, just getting to talk more with you. I know we talked a little bit at your premiere, but everybody was like coming up and like, I didn't want to, you know, take up too much time. So I always I knew like we'd get our time to talk. But I mean, like I said, man, keep keep it up, man. Keep going. You know, always rooting for you. And always hoping for, you know, any, everything that's going to be successful your, your way, man.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that, Russell. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. This was fun.
0: Yeah. And thank you for coming on, you know, making time and, you know, we, we finally got to have a sit down and talk. And I mean, it was was incredible. Uh, Let everybody know where to follow you and, you know, keep up with you. And if you have any uh, other, maybe short films on YouTube, I know you said Vimeo.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm on social media. I'm on Instagram and Facebook and stuff like that. I mean, my my company is, my production company is Safe House Films. It's at www.safehousefilms.com. Uh, you can see sort of like some of my upcoming slate here. You can read about my team, stuff like that. But other than that, um, Warren Brothers backslash Vimeo.com is where you can see a lot of like the shorts and documentaries and stuff. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it.
0: Awesome. Well, everybody go follow him, keep up with him and um, be on the lookout for all the new projects he has coming out. And uh, thank you once again for coming on. I really do appreciate it. And um, everybody go follow Okie podcast at Oki podcast on Instagram. My personal is at Russmas 49. You can find it on Facebook as well. My personal on Facebook is Russell Sun Eagle. Check out okipodcast.com Check out unsolved Mysteries at the reservation where you listen to podcasts apple spotify check us out on youtube subscribe to us follow us on tiktok at reservation underscore mysteries and uh we're going to start doing some investigations soon so i'll be pushing out some content hopefully in the next month or so a couple months i don't know we'll see but uh yeah so once again kyle thank you so much we have to do it again sometime run it back You're always welcome back anytime if you want to, if you want to not produce anything, if you want to promote anything, let me know and shoot, we can, we can get it going. But yeah, so guess until next, everybody, peace.